1: No, Mr. Green, communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
0: Hello, and welcome to the MSW Book Club. I am your host, Ag Allison Gill, and joining me today, and I'm very, very proud and happy to announce that this this new partnership I'm very excited about, uh, comedian. Uh, activist, and you've seen her on TBS, ABC, Last Comic Standing, and she's raised over $30 million for LGBTQ+, HIV awareness, and um, AIDS awareness, and AIDS prevention, and she's the host of the Out in Left Field podcast, Dana Goldberg. Dana, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, A.G. We got A.G. and D.G. now. We're good to go.
0: (laughs) I like it. I like it. D.G. A.G. It's like a a female cover band of (laughs) ACDC.
1: Oh, God, with... Better well, I don't know. Their hair was pretty amazing, but you know we can. They had good hair, but I think we can take them. I do think we can take them.
0: Start every episode with ah, thunder. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I'll take the drum section. <laughs> Great. Now, I do have to thank our our patron and sponsor of this series, uh, Stephen Isaac. Uh, he's he's made this possible. So thank you, like ultimate patron, ultimate subscriber. Uh, super fan. And uh, we owe this to you. We could not do this book club without you. So thank you, Stephen. We're just going to kick this off. I'm really excited. You just very recently interviewed Mary Trump as well. I did. She
1: is in the Jewish religion, as we call a mensch. She is an absolute mensch. Um, We've kept in touch. And and, and you, I mean, you did as you had a very in-depth interview as well. I'm obsessed with this woman and her Mm intelligence, her biting wit, her subtlety, but also just her desire to really help this country at a time that I think we need it most. So yeah, the the book was captivating.
0: Yeah. And and we'll talk a little bit here in the cuz we're going to cover the prologue and chapter 1 today. So if you haven't read it, go ahead and pause. We'll wait. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Now, uh the she covers this in the prologue. She talks about, you know, people like, "Why didn't you speak up before?" And uh we'll go over she's she she explains that. And and I think she explains it very well and that happens to be in the prologue. So, how about we uh we kick off this book club and talk about her prologue. Let's do
1: it. You Uh, Allison, I'll be honest, I forgot I was reading the prologue when I was in the prologue because I was so entrenched in it that when Mm -hmm. we hit chapter one, I was like, oh, shit, the book hasn't even started yet. (laughs) I know, it's like,
0: (laughs) it's like, you know how that some movies like they they give major plot points during the opening credits and then, you know, dump you right into the middle of the script and you're like, oh, oh, uh, oh, nope, hasn't started. Okay. All right, well here we go. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be a six episode series, by the way. The book is called Too Much and Never Enough: How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man, and uh, I, I we're going to, just going to kick this off today. We're covering the prologue. Uh, first of all, let me give you the family tree because so you can follow the players. It took me a minute to catch on. Like I had a real hard time with Game of Thrones, which is one of my favorite shows because <laughs> there's like. <laughs> nine million family members,
1: right? Honestly, Allison, I think I was most surprised that their family tree even branches. So the <laughs> fact that you ha- are about to announce the branches on their family tree, I think will help the listeners and the readers. But I I, I just thought it was one giant trunk with so much dysfunction. And then Mary
0: sort of sprouted <laughs> off to the right and was like, I'm free. <laughs> I know. And Freddie, her dad, was like, I'm trying to be free. Yeah, it's, it's... it's- Really, really interesting uh, narratives here. So we have Fred Trump Sr., right? This is the uh, old racist dude um, who, you know, tried to keep uh, black people out of his buildings when he was a uh, a landlord in right. Brooklyn and beyond. That's Donald Trump's father. He's the, uh, again, racist asshole slumlord, patriarch of the family. His wife is Mary, and, and Fred's wife is Mary, referred to as Gam by... By Mary Trump, and Gam and Fred had five kids: Freddie Jr., right, Robert Trump, Donald Trump. Those are the two youngest, Ro- Robert and Donald. Marianne Trump and Elizabeth Trump. Now, Robert Trump recently died in a New York hospital while Donald went golfing.
1: While his brother was while his brother was golfing. Yes, um, yeah. I. It sounded like it sounded like Robert Trump died while he was golfing. He did not. Don't no. die while he was golfing. But Donald, because he is a sociopath, uh, was, was on I uh, probably the eighteenth hole when his father his brother Robert passed away. They're just
0: insane, Al. They're insane. Yeah. Yeah. And you're probably driving his cart on the green like an asshole. Ugh. Um now Marianne was a federal judge that had to resign, likely because of the financial expose in the New York Times last year, which was a thing because of the records and documents that Mary Trump was able to give those investigative reporters. Yes. And uh, then we have Freddie Jr. That is Mary Trump's dad. Um, he died of complications of alcoholism when he was very young, just 42. So this is the nuclear family we're talking about here. And the house, quote unquote, which is chapter one, is is where, it, this is Fred and Gam's house, Fred and Mary's house, and their five children grew up there, and they spent a lot of time there. That was like the... The central part of the family, um, of the, this particular nuclear family. Um, on to the author's note here. Mary says much of her book comes from her own memory, discussions with Trump's siblings, like Marianne. We've recently heard some of the released audio from from Donald Trump's sister, Marianne uh, Barry Trump. So that's been in the news, you know. Um, where and a lot of people are like, "Did Mary have permission? Did Mary have permission?" I'm I'm su- <laughs> I'm pretty sure she did. <laughs> I'm
1: yeah. See, that's not how you record the Trumps. by getting their permission (laughs) by getting their permission i mean and who why should she it's not like he has ever asked for permission to do anything i mean i i'm i was so impressed because people were questioning her as you know and this is why she said this they were questioning you know where she got her information from well when she was like oh their tapes were like lordy there's tapes like that was such a beautiful a beautiful thing i was like i want to hear all of it all of it Mm.
0: Yeah, same, like, uh, Cohen tapes, Trump tapes, Uh uh access Hollywood tapes. You have to wonder if you're a guy who everyone constantly needs to record, what the fuck is wrong with your life?
1: Um, I saw a tweet the other day, and I'm just interject about about Chadwick, because obviously, that was a massive loss. And I know it sounds like a tangent, but it's not because someone said, how is it possible that he had cancer for four years, and no one leaked it? And the response to the tweet was because when you respect who you're working for, you don't talk about them behind their back. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's so many leaks with this administration is because no one respects this man. I don't care what they say to his face. We've actually seen the tapes and recordings of them saying otherwise. So yes, even Mary, even 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 uh Mary Anne doesn't respect her own brother, as we now know.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and and push comes to shove, New York is a one party state, so it's not illegal. <laughs> um, uh, that means you you don't have to have both parties' permissions to record them uh you just need one and that can be the person recording it interesting now uh mary says she relied on background from the new york times washington post vanity fair politico and for information on steeplechase which we'll get into in later chapters mm-hmm. uh, she relied on the coney island history website brooklyn paper and for information on the trump family business and and the crimes um she relied on reporting from wayne barrett david corn um, uh, Michael D'Antonio, David K. Johnston, and Tim O'Brien, Charles Pierce, and Adam Serwer. So all of these different reporters. Uh, and as you know, Corn, David Corn is the co-author with Michael Isakoff of um, Russian Roulette, which mm-hmm. we covered in a previous Book Club episode. Now in the prologue, Mary sets the scene by talking about her name, and she always loved it until she didn't anymore. (laughs) Uh, uh, April 4th, 2017, she says she was on her way to the White House to celebrate the birthdays of her aunts, Marianne and Elizabeth. Those are Donald's sisters. And she was confronted at Union Station with a vendor selling buttons like uh, deport Trump, dump Trump, and Trump is a witch, Uh, which is, I was a witch in college. Let's not. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that seems subtle. That's, I, I, I like witches. Uh, then she got to the hotel and saw her name plastered everywhere. Trump shampoo, conditioner, Trump slippers, Trump shower caps, Trump shoe polish, Trump sewing kits, Trump bathrobes. And she says, quote, I grabbed a split of Trump white wine and poured it down my Trump throat so it could course through my Trump bloodstream and hit the pleasure center of my Trump brain.
1: <laughs> and she also, I think, mentioned that like the, it, wasn't as, it wasn't as bad as she thought it was going to be. Like the, the wine actually wasn't as bad.
0: Expect it to be horrible. Oh, awful. But just like everything else, it's someone else's wine. He just put his name on it. Exactly. Uh, so it's not like the Thirty Rock uh, the Jack. <laughs> you mean Jack Don- Donald's champagne. not
1: working a winery on, on the weekends? He's not stomping through grapes with his
0: <laughs> hobbit feet. I, I seriously doubt it. <laughs> his feet are probably tiny too. Anyway. <laughs> uh she met up with her brother fritz and then went on to meet with the whole family at the white house and when she saw donald sitting behind the the, the hollowed resolute desk by the way the this is this is a religious thing right mm-hmm. the resolute desk in the oval office she was reminded of her dad fred or her excuse me her her grandpa fred sitting behind his desk at work while everyone else stood up And she then asked permission to return to college. And he said, that's stupid. What do you want to do that for? Just go to trade school and become a receptionist. She said, "Uh, because I want to get my degree. And he replied, that's nasty. Where we now know where Donald gets
1: that phrase from, which he likes to use so often when referencing women who want mm-hmm. who
0: are smarter than he is which is the majority of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and backed by popular demand our nasty women line of merchandise is available at MullerSheWrote.com.
1: Fantastic. You. One of the things that I noticed as she was explaining like going into the White House uh, AG was she stopped in front of Hillary Clinton's picture cuz it's up obviously because she's held high office in administrations and she said she said she just looked at it and went how did this happen? Mm. How did this happen?
0: Yeah yeah i um working for the federal government, we had you know every federal building has the f- a photo of the president and then the Vice President and then whoever is head of your agency mm-hmm. and uh, working at the Department of Veterans Affairs, every hospital has Trump's big fucking face right there when you walk oh, in. God. Which is triggering if you're going to the VA for military sexual trauma right like uh, yeah like let's hang a picture of a rapist and the thing now here's here's a funny fact that that not too many people know for the first time in the history of the of the Department of Veterans Affairs we had to carry a budget to replace that photo because of vandalism
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic I, 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 if I if you had started a go fund me to help <laughs> like I would have I that's one of the things that have been like eh, I would have like pitched in to destroy it, but probably not to repair it.
0: And when I was embedded at the DOD in our office uh, for TRICARE, you know, we've got his picture, Pence, the Secretary of Defense Mattis at the time, uh, the head of uh, the director, director at the Pentad of our uh, group there at TRICARE. And so that's like eight pictures, right? And there's eight little lights and all of the lights are on the things, you know, somehow, and I don't know how, but the light never worked on the Trump photo. <laughs> Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, I'm a huge proponent of seeking help whenever I need it. So, if you're struggling with anything that's preventing you from living your happiest life, I really recommend trying BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line, it's not self help, it is professional licensed therapy done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. You know, I've had my own challenges with post traumatic stress and anxiety, and I know it's really important to seek help rather than to try to face it by yourself. And BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide, and they have a broad range of experts in their counselor network, which you can access from anywhere. So there might be experts that aren't locally available to you that you can reach through BetterHelp. Um, And the best thing about BetterHelp is you can log in anytime. Send a message to your counselor and you get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions. And because they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, they make it really easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So visit their website and read some testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user TI who says, Having counseling with Ashley the past few months has been incredibly rewarding and transformative in my life. I'm glad I used BetterHelp and found a match with her as a counselor. She's professional, empathetic, and well-rounded in her wide knowledge of psychology and mental health tools for the client. I've benefited greatly with her support, and I've been making important changes in my life. So visit BetterHelp.com slash MSW Book Club. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and you can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for book club listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash MSW Book Club. So they ended up in the dining room in the White House for dinner, which I've been to. It's beautiful. And of course, uh, Donald just made it all about him and not his sister's birthdays, which is a big narcissist move, right? Shocking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary then goes uh, into Trump announcing his bid. So the dinner's over right now. We're talking, she kind of takes a tangent here and talks about when Trump announced his bid for president and that no one, probably including himself, took him seriously And it went, in fact, pretty much as Mary thought it would, from his racist remarks to mocking a disabled reporter, the disparagement of Hillary Rodham Clinton, calling women ugly fat slobs. She said that kind of dehumanization was par for the course at the Trump dinner table. Uh, She was surprised that he kept getting away with it. And this is where she talks about speaking out and why she hasn't spoken out until now. She thought about speaking out in 2016, but thought if the Hollywood Access tape didn't make a difference, nothing she could say would. Um, And I think a lot of us felt like that. Like, well, if that doesn't do it, if right. that doesn't do it, you know, every day now something happens. We're like, well, if that's not it, you know, and, and I know John Oliver used to make a big thing about it. We got him and hit the button. The flag would come down and... <laughs> I mean, we all thought
1: that was it. We, and can you imagine having as much ammunition on him as Mary did and has and thinking that still wouldn't make a difference because no one cared. No one cared that he's a sexual predator. No one cared in his base. Everyone cared. Our our, you know, our side, the good side, cared. But mm-hmm. it didn't do anything. And I know that she gets into it a, you know, a little bit later in the book, and I'm sure this came up in your interview. She also, during that time, because it bothers me that people are like, why did you wait so long? She didn't have access to those 40,000 pages and documents yet. And so once that came into her possession, that's when she felt like, you know what? I have enough that if they question me, now I have something to stand on. Otherwise, it was just a he said, she said during the whole 2016 with the Hollywood
0: Access tape. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but her father, Freddie Jr., had been written out of the will along with that whole line of the family. So she would have been painted as a disgruntled dis disinherited niece Absolutely. because that's what trump does right Oh, disgruntled employee coffee boy hardly knew him <laughs> you know i, I and and the, the the sad part is he would have said oh we wrote her out of the will and she hates me and, and and people would have been like yeah that bitch you know instead of you wrote her out of the will like yeah <laughs> that's what they focus on um and and then she goes on into Understanding what brought Donald to this point, that he had to be his own cheerleader because his dad, Fred Sr., was an asshole. Mm-hmm. He couldn't and wouldn't acknowledge insecurities or failure. Uh, then Fred Sr. started promoting Donald and the media picked up on it. Banks funded him. And even when he failed after all of his bankruptcies, he was picked up by Mark Burnett for The Apprentice. So he never faced failure.
1: Oh, I blame him for so much. Keep going.
0: <laughs> it's the Kobayashi Maru, right? Like, yeah. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. And... Uh, the Republican Party and media bolstered this whole facade absolutely quote Donald has always been institutionalized, shielded from his limitations or his need to succeed on his own in the world. Honest work was never demanded of him, and no matter how badly he failed, he was rewarded in ways that are almost unfathomable and and we 'll get into a little bit that you know in the first chapter here about uh, this this is he that is learned behavior from his dad, Fred one
1: hundred percent a hundred percent. You know, one of my, I think the more shocking um, and telling things, I don't know about you, but so I read the book and then after the book, I started watching more of his interviews like the Axios interview, where he's fumbling around these charts talking about how, no, we're we fir- we're last, which means we're first. I mean, we're he last. He it
0: upside down. It's upside down. I don't even know where this goes in the interviewer. Look, I know. Look, I mean, blue, he's... blue line long. We a, win. You know. Know. <laughs> and the interviewer was
1: like, well, that's not, you know, that's not. That's not how we're, we're, I'm reporting it. We're doing this on deaths per, you know, poppy. Well, you can't do that. And we're like, and he's like, no, the, I did that. Like, that's what I did. And then he said, but I, I read the manuals. What manuals? The books. What books? I <laughs> like I, I, Watching every interview, AG, after I read this book, I was like, holy shit. Like to a T, you can see his psychosis coming through in these interviews and his socios, so, uh, Sociopathy is that is that the how you say that right the word correctly? Sociopathic that behaviors, yeah. The, so one of the things in the prologue, since we're we're st- stuck in the middle of it's and if I may read directly because I will not paraphrase this correctly. Mary's talking about how basically up until now he's been able to you know wash things under the rug, and by she says by all means. Not all of us have been shielded until now from the worst effects of his pathologies by a stable economy and a lack of serious crisis. And then she goes on to say, however, this out of control COVID-19, the possibility of an economic depression, deepening social divides along political lines, thanks to Donald's penchant for division and devastating uncertainty about our country's future have created a perfect storm of catastrophes that no one is less equipped than my uncle to manage. Doing so would require courage, strength of character, deference to experts, and the confidence to take responsibility and to course correct after admitting mistakes. This man is functioning as a three-year-old when his, when his mother left and was sick, which we will get into It's this, he's stuck in this place and it's terrifying because he's now probably the most powerful man in the world and he's ill-equipped to handle anything that is happening right now, which to be honest with you is my only hope, my only hope and faith that this is what will destroy him because he's being held up by all these Republicans. But as the ship starts to sink and he can't course correct, we've seen it happen. That's when I think people are going to start fleeing like rats off the Titanic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and you're so right. And I think what Mary is trying to drive home here and what she explains so beautifully in the book is that every single type of character attribute you would need to have to cope with these crises has been systematically dismantled in Donald Trump by his family and his father over the, his the entirety of his life. Right the tools that you have to have to cope with these things. He has the opposite. He undoes it all.
1: And we've actually seen it. What's crazy is we've seen it, this inability to course correct. So I think we can all agree up until about, you know, a few weeks ago, his whole platform was white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. Um, And it still is, but that wasn't working. And he fired his campaign manager, who I am assuming just went back to Duck Dynasty. I have no idea what he does in his free time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, just, I, I I don't know if the show's still on the air, whatever. Um, but he, they he st- whittles duck calls. Oh <clears throat> they stopped the press. Briefings because it, this so this wasn't working, and people around him are saying this isn't working, we have to try something new. But this is the thing he's that child mentality of this is this is what it's this tunnel vision of white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. When that doesn't work, and he tries to course correct, he's course corrected into law and order, which is also a form of white supremacy because he's telling you, you know, we support the black community. I've done more for the black community, but be careful in the suburbs because they're going to move into your neighborhood. So lock and (laughs) load, you know, so it's just, it's a crazy thing, but he really can't. So I'm hoping that this brick wall, he keeps ramming the party into Mm. it. It it holds, it holds strong enough that it destroys him instead of him breaking through it because it, it looks like it's not working, but the prologue just talking about all of this, his inability to function as an adult and being propped up by the people around him. That's why we have to get rid of McConnell and Pompeo and all of these other schmucks that are allowing him to like in like use psychosis on the entire, on the entire country. It's, and that's what she says. She says, that now this, 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 uh, You know, we all have our families, we all have our dysfunction, but she is now seeing the dysfunction of her family, which is probably the worst in the world, play out on a global level. It's not even just our country. It's globally. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and you can't tell him otherwise. That's why he's, I know better than the generals, I alone can fix it. Uh, You cannot tell him otherwise. That's why he's fired every quote unquote quasi reasonable advisor. They're still Republicans, but whatever. There's no adults left in the room because yeah. they're trying to tell him something different. And he's like, no, everything I do always works out. And that's what she means by no matter how badly he failed, he was rewarded. He was rewarded in ways that are almost unfathomable. He doesn't right. know what it is to fail because of his enablers. And now it's the Republican Party that are his enablers and instead of Fred Trump. And she closes the prologue by saying she's not writing this book to cash in. Ah, uh, but because silence and complicity destroyed her father, Freddie Jr., and she can't let that destroy the country as well. So this is, uh, this is like somebody, you know, who who uh, has gone through something traumatic with the death of their father, watching watching him being destroyed by this kind of behavior, and being like, "I am a survivor," and so what survivors do. Is they take what they know forward and don't allow it to happen again, and so that I think is why she's doing this.
1: And I think it's a brilliant way. You know, in the interview we were talking about that, you know, Trump Donald, as she she affectionately calls him, because she knows it drives him insane, and wants every (laughs) and wants everyone to call him Donald. Uh, Donald inherited his father's psychosis, and unfortunately, if you think about it, and you know this, just coming from the background that you do. It's one man passing it to one man. Well, now that one man has the loudest megaphone in the world. And so he is passing it to millions of people that look to him as their Messiah. So this psychosis is being spread far and wide, which is why we have to stop it on November 3rd. There is no way we're going to be able to survive four more years of this. This is it. We won't. I won't. My liver won't. I don't know about yours.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, um, no, but. I I, I I I am a survivor, and if it does happen, I will not go anywhere. I will stay and fight as long as I am able. <sighs> yeah,
1: you and me both. You and me both. But,
0: you know, it's interesting you bring up the Messiah complex because he sees himself that way. But I have to say, and I am well read, and I am studied, and there is no such—all th- messiahs are reluctant messiahs. If you have a messiah who is not a reluctant messiah, that is not—that is a— a false messiah. Do you yes. know what I mean? i absolutely the, I, the person who knows or thinks that they are,
1: it's the people that don't see their impact on the world. And they don't like Chadwick. Let's take Chadwick Bozeman, who just lost his life. If anything, he's closer to that than anything Donald Trump will ever be because he just was living his truth. It's not something that he thrived on. It's not something he needed accolades for. It's not something he needed, you know, uh, the public to, to sit in a room and then go one by one to his cabinet and have them say something nice about him. That is definitely a false
0: prophet. And, and it's, that's why I'm still shocked he has, I mean, I know his evangelical support is dropping, but that is shocking to me. How can you not? Look, I am an atheist, but I know the stories and this is Satan and this is the Messiah. Like I can pick them out. I got pretty good. But I got pretty good messiah dar, I guess, radar for messiahs. And, and the, the stories couldn't be more clear. The person who says they are your savior is the devil. Absolutely.
1: I tweeted <laughs> that the other day. I said, you know what? 2020's starting to feel like the end of times. And I'm just going to say I've never seen the Antichrist and Trump in the same room at the same time. I just haven't. <laughs> so do with that what you will,
0: Okay. Yeah, I think I feel like the Antichrist would have better hair, but I don't know. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on here to part one. Let's part do it. one is called uh, "The Cruelty Is the Point." Very uplifting. Very uplifting. Mm. Yes, mm. that has been so borne out by so many Ugh. millions of news stories. Um, you know, we know for a fact that Cuccinelli was trying to separate families back in 2017, and mm-hmm. that we know there are now documents showing that they did this to deter refugees from finding safe haven in the United States if we if we be if we're cruel to them they won't want to come here we know they wanted to do alligator moats and hot spikes and paint the wall black so it was too like the cruelty is the point so uh, that is the name of this part, and there are a couple chapters in this part. Chapter one is called the house, so that's where we're going into next. Did you have? Did you want to add something? No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm in this with you. Keep. Let's go
1: into the house. The call oh, is house. coming let's from come... inside the house. Ag. So let's go into the house.
0: Yeah, I'm scared. Okay, the house, <laughs> murder house. It's uh, American Horror Story, murder house. It refers to Fred. No, I'm kidding. It refers to Fred and Mary's house. Fred and Gam. <laughs> And it opens with a description of Gam's medical issues. She had some postpartum complications after the birth of Robert and had a hysterectomy. And it did a number on her hormones, which caused her to have extremely brittle bones. So she was constantly breaking bones. Her absence, because of surgeries and medical issues, uh, did a number on the Trump kids. Uh, Mary talks about the essential things kids need to understand their worth. We're talking like Maslow's hierarchy of needs here. Mm -hmm. And that was missing from the Trump family completely because the impact... Uh, of that parental void uh, had, it it was, the impact was more severe on the younger kids and the younger kids are Donald and Robert. And, and it impacted them more than it did the older kids, Mary Ann, Elizabeth and Freddie. Um, Gam's medical problems were compounded by Fred senior's lack of human feeling, his rigidity and his misogyny. And that left Mary totally unsupported. Gam. So Fred, this, this makes Fred the only available parent. And he was a garbage pile of shit
1: it's like being raised by gary Busey. like it's not the best person to have
0: to turn to to give you comfort and (laughs) solace Anything, anything anything emotional right um for robert and donald them needing a parent was annoying to fred and asking for help was equated with humiliation despair and hopelessness you know if you had to ask for help you were weak Um, So that's sort of that first impression that that Robert and, and Donald got. Not only were the kids isolated from the world, they were isolated from each other because of Fred, because helping a sibling drew Fred's ire, drew their dad's anger. So they grew up alone and isolated. And to cope, Donald developed a primitive like primitive defenses, including hostility and indifference. And since none of his emotional needs were met, the void was filled with bullying, disrespect and aggression. You know, had he been a Virgo, might have ended up a serial killer. I don't know. <laughs> thank, I guess thank God
1: that he wasn't born a
0: Virgo. Although, I don't know, I don't know. a serial know killer, is. it may have. he
1: may actually be responsible for less people, like the killing of less people. I think serial killers have killed less people than 180,000 uh, with COVID. So maybe we would have been better off if he had been a serial killer. Well, let's see here. Uh, June fourth he's a Gemini. Ah, Okay. oh well part of him's a serial killer then not sure what the other half is
0: but lots of serial killers are gemini's gemini's virgos sagittarius really all right uh, it's totally correlative <laughs> um but you know hey if anyone wants to fund a research grant down. so something stood out to me on page 28 i'm on page 28 here it's when mary said there were there were things the kids weren't supposed to talk about especially in front of their father and that reminds me of the people around Trump and in the administration not being able to discuss certain subjects with him, like 100%. Russia and Kristen Nielsen for Kirsten Nielsen, for example mm-hmm. uh we teach people how to speak to us, and Donald learned from his dad not to bring up subjects that would upset him and that is what's going on with Russia. I don't want to hear about it. He doesn't talk about Russian bounties he said he wasn't he wasn't uh briefed on them, even though they were in his presiden- presidential daily brief. He doesn't want to hear about Russia. So many people have been fired for bringing up Russia. McGuire, the former DNI, he was fired for giving a Russian election briefing to the Gang of Eight. So this is, again, just one of those, another one of a learned behavior, a set of learned behaviors from this monumental asshole.
1: It's also a terrifying idea that the President of the United States is covering his ears and closing his eyes and pretending it's going to go away if he can't hear or see what's in front of him. I mean, it yeah. is such a childish way to respond to outside anything. I mean, his, it, it, the, the response, he should have kept his mouth shut with Rittenhouse, but it's the same sort of thing as I don't want I don't, I to don't get into that. Well, that, it's always when he knows he's wrong. It's always, and it's usually when it has something to do with Putin and him being taken advantage of by a man that is much more powerful and respected, even if it's in a diabolical way,
0: than he will ever be. Mm. He doesn't want to talk about like it. Like more infamous. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So then um, Mary talks about Fred Sr.'s childhood. Now we get into Fred Sr.'s childhood and how he got his way and how talk about how he and, and Gam met Mary and they began having kids starting with Marianne and then Fred Jr. And how Fred Sr. seemed to have a family business plan for Fred Jr., Fred Sr. got into real estate and began using the media to supplement his success. And after Donald was born, Fred and Mary bought the house in Queens when Queens was 95% white. And shortly after that, Fred Sr. bought 32 six-story buildings in Brooklyn called Shorehaven. And he, But he didn't do this on his own. This yeah. isn't a self-made man, right? He got $9 million from the FHA to build it. So much like Donald would later capitalize on tax breaks and bankruptcies. And Fred called the residents of this development unwholesome as he viewed people who didn't live in single-family residences as less than.
1: Which is interesting because several, um, including, as you will get to later, I believe Fred Jr. ended up having to live in the apartments that are in these buildings. So the idea that his father already sees the people that live there are, you know, unwholesome, they're less than, it really just sets up, it just sets up a mental idea that you already feel less than in your own family because you have to live in one of these apartments because you can't stand on your own two feet or even if Fred put him there and said uh, you should move into one of these it still sends a message it still sends a message in that family
0: yeah i didn't think about that i didn't well yeah you're less than to your own son yeah and um we know as donald was later to uh, Later alleged to do with Trump Tower and his casinos, Fred Senior was working with the mob to keep the peace. And when he got the green light for another development called Beach Haven, he got 16 million from the FHA. Always benefiting. It's a, he's a socialist. Well <laughs> oh, no! So no, come on! So that doesn't work. That's that's not. We should get rid of that. What are you talking
1: about? Socialism doesn't work in our country. No, no, no. No one on the right takes advantage of that.
0: No. How dare no, you? Uh, How very dare you? Bo- bootstraps. My. My my boots are socialist, but I'm gonna pull myself up by them. Um <laughs> And I'm gonna use the government to help me. Yeah. Market some socialist boots with or just boots with so with with boot straps that say socialist on them. Okay. Fred Sr. is then described as being tight with money, uh, having built his business off the back of the government and never going into debt. Uh and though he was frugal, he was not modest or humble. <laughs> so weird to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm. he lied about his age to appear more precocious he trafficked in hyperbole everything was great or fantastic and perfect which sounds totally familiar and he also utilized the media to pump up his image and mary says but he wasn't nearly as good at it as donald would come to be and, you know, you think about, no, everything's great. This The virus is wonderful. Tremendous wall. Everything's fantastic. Uh, everything is great. And that is, yeah, that's sort of how Fred lived, right? He was literally a carbon copy
1: of his verbiage. I mean, Donald literally is a carbon copy of his father's verbiage and what he did it. Mary talks about that in this chapter, that it's not even that Donald came to be much better. His father had used him. They saw how the press reacted to him. They saw that he could do that, and he used him. He didn't give a shit. He knew that he wasn't a smart boy.
0: He knew that he wasn't a good businessman. He used him for it. I don't even think he realized that the reason he wasn't a smart guy or could stand on his own was because of him. Yeah. uh, This part is interesting. On page 37, uh, Fred heard about Norman Vincent Peale in the 1950s. And this is kind of where I think this this whole thing comes from. He's the guy who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which Mary Trump refers to as a man with a shallow message of self-sufficiency. And that appealed to Fred Trump, who decided joining the Marble Collegiate Church in Midtown Manhattan, which was a Peale joint, uh, though they rarely attended church, uh, but he joined it. So Mary describes him here as having a positive attitude and faith in himself Serious and formal, able to be dismissive of people such as his children's friends, he smiled easily, even when he was calling someone nasty. And she says, quote, since his early days of building garages, his success had been on an almost constantly upward trajectory. He worked hard, but unlike most people who work hard, he was rewarded with government grants, the help of highly connected cronies, and immensely good fortune. Fred didn't need to read The Power of Positive Thinking in order to co-opt for his own purposes, the most superficial and self-serving aspects of Peel's message. So that's where it, that's where it was started, or at least was, was th- that Norman Vincent Peel fanned the flames of his, everything's tremendous. Everything's great. I don't have to care about you. In fact, I don't like you at all, but right. I'm amazing and you're not.
1: And from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it, it, it has been a few weeks since I've read the book. i would reread it with, uh, over the last few days, but Fred Sr. also wasn't a self made businessman. From what I understand, his mom helped finance the garage the 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 jobs at the, the work with the garages didn't i i don't think this has ever come from hard work in this family it's always come from something else i actually heard mary do an interview with jane fonda and they asked about fred senior's father what was your great grandfather like and she goes i don't know he was a draft dodger so apparently it runs in the family like it was such a great response <laughs> like this has been going on for for generations. The bone spurs yeah. have been passed on for generations.
0: <laughs> well, they are hereditary.
1: Oh, uh, yes. And made up, to but totally hereditary.
0: Well, the ima- anything imaginary is hereditary. I mean, it has to be. Um, <laughs> uh, and then here we are, us, the working class, mm-hmm. trying to make ends meet. 16 million of us out of work, a 33% drop in GDP most of us uh, could face losing our homes mortgages rents being evicted um trying to live paycheck to paycheck and here he is just this facade of wealth um living the high life having golden toilets and shit and it's just bananas that anyone who works for a living would support him
1: it blows my mind, and it also this idea they try and tout his generosity. Oh, he donated his four hundred and forty thousand dollar a year, mm. you know, paycheck. Ooh. So that I know over three years, what that <laughs> takes us up to? What one hundred and thirteen thousand? Let's say, let even say it's $1.5 million. We have funded over eighteen million, no, a hundred and eighteen million dollars in golf outings. Over the last three and a half years,
0: yeah, he he made two hundred and fifty thousand dollars alone from one group of people who stayed at his hotels because he was exactly. president. So. so
1: don't give me this bullshit that he's he's such a mensch because he donates his it's it's but it's amazing that they that's what they show his base and his base will argue that stuff off. He's not even taking it. He's not even taking a salary. I'm like, oh, he is. He is. Trust me, he is off mm. the back end from all yeah. of us.
0: Yours. He's taking yes. yours. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, Peel's philosophy though but back to Norm Vincent Peel here was that you only needed self-confidence to succeed obstacles are not permitted and you're only defeated if you choose to be that philosophy complemented Fred's scarcity mentality is what Mary calls it, scarcity mentality she says, quote, for him it was not the more you have the more you can give for him it was the more you have the more you have and if he gave something to someone else if Fred gave something to someone else that person would be worth more and he would be worth less he would pass that attitude on to donald in spades and uh, that is so apparent to me especially when trump was failing at everything including failing at casinos which i don't know how you can lose money operating <laughs> seriously casinos. but he did it and, and she goes on to explain it later in the book it's because he had three and they were competing with each other so he yeah. drove himself into the fucking ground
1: that's actually one of my favorite stories in the book when we I- get to it because what an I- idiot I- I know yeah, how come I'm we're like, not making oh, any yeah. money. I'm like, because you the same business four feet down
0: the road. What the
1: fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And despite all this, despite the New York Times coming out and saying he probably has negative eight billion dollars, uh, you know, he's 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 he is Sean Connery on Celebrity Jeopardy. He has so much negative money. Um <laughs> But despite all that, despite all that he had an office in a high rise, continued to think himself a success, taking monetary advantage of bankruptcies, living off of the government, but just this whole facade. And he borrowed millions and then would create companies to 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 pay back the millions, but then wouldn't. And then the loans are forgiven. And we don't even know what's going on with Deutsche Bank, but we might soon. It's just oh, bananas. Please.
1: I mean, if there is a goddess up there, we've got to get some good news here soon.
0: Mm, I hope so, too. But, you know, this this philosophy of, of Fred Senior and and Donald's, this kind of philosophy rings true in the after, you know, the 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 more you have, the more you have, not the mm-hmm. more you can give. Right. It rings true in the aftermath of 9-11 when Trump took advantage of disaster grants oh. and who, who whose only thought on the towers collapsing was, well, now I have the tallest building. In Manhattan,
1: and it's so amazing how his base is like. He never said that. I'm like, there's a tape of him saying that on the radio. Yes, it happened. That's what blows my mind with all this—the gaslighting, Ag. The gaslighting that happens where he said, like, "I didn't say that. I didn't say that." When they're finally, finally, people are smart enough to put videos together where they're using his words, so maybe people can actually see what he is saying, and then the double talk two weeks later. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm enjoying the the. Uh, I'm not a fan of the people who comprise the Lincoln Project. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm super liberal, but I'm I'm loving their ads, and I love how they said after the Michelle Obama speech during the Democratic National Convention, they tweeted out, "We go low, so you don't have to." Yeah, it was so wonderful.
1: <laughs> I know. I I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, you know you. what I'm mad about though? I'm mad that they're better at this than we are. And we I can I can admit that the Democrats and the liberals and the left where I fall, very proud, we've always been like we don't want to do it. We don't want to play nasty. We don't want to play dirty. And now the Republicans have decided, these specific ones have decided he's so much of a danger to this country that they're willing to I'm like they're just better at it than we are. And I don't, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that this man is hated enough through this country within his own party that they're willing to put their talents, their money, some of our money, but into these ads, because that seems to be the way to reach people right now through these social media outlets.
0: Yeah, I welcome it. And if if you want to go low so I don't have to. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. High five. I appreciate that, Republicans. We'll get Carl <laughs> Rove on it. <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that uh ladies and gentlemen, they and them is the prologue and chapter 1. Uh, and we will be on the next episode of the Mary Trump MSW Book Club covering chapters two through four, two, three and four. So read those uh, ahead. And, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, hit us up at Road on Twitter or you can go to MullerSheWrote.com and, and send a click contact and send us any information that you want. If you have any corrections you want to send us, we have that too. Oh, by the way, Dana, my corrections mail form you have to say it's. You have to say something nice first, and then make your correction, and then you have to end with something nice.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, you and I are going to be fast friends if we aren't already. Because if you're going to give me feedback or criticism, you better sandwich it like a beautiful Oreo, so I can handle it, or yeah. I won't hear a damn thing you say.
0: <laughs> oh. and some of them are really fun. People are like, "You're hot." Okay, here's the mistake that you made. Da 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 da. Um, I like pie. You right. know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it has nothing
1: to do with me specifically, All but right. I appreciate that.
0: Mm, well, at least it was something nice. Uh, so. Oh, goodness. Stuff you learn in leadership conferences. Uh, anyway, thank you, Dana. This has been so much fun. I look forward to next week's episode and talking to you. And I also want to welcome you to the Daily Beans pod. You and I are going to be covering... Uh, either some of the headlines or the good news blocks on Tuesdays. I'm very, very excited about that. So thank you again for joining me today.
1: Are you kidding me? I'm part of the bean team. I couldn't be happier. You're a bean
0: queen now. I love it. All right. The, the, you're part of the leguminati. I hope. <laughs> you know. uh, all right, everybody. <laughs> Until next time, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And That's I'm D.G. Uh, I was, on it. I, I was on it. I was on it go
1: ahead (laughs) you can go ahead go go wait i'm gonna actually fill out the form first hold on i really appreciate you (laughs) including me in these episodes allison if you could let me read my line before you jump in i would love that but this has been one of the most enjoyable hours of my week
0: i take your question um all right thank you (laughs) thank you everyone we'll see you next time The MSW Book Club is executive produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media and written by Allison Gill and Dana Goldberg. Sound design and engineering by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joelle Reeder and Moxie Design Studios. The MSW Book Club is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com.